0: Welcome back to Hey Look Listen, my name is Liam Sheehan and I'm joined here this week by my good friend Kevin O'Carroll. Kevin, what up? What up, Liam? How are we doing? How am I doing? I'm excited to turn our back on the medium of video games mm. to talk about, well, I guess we're video game adjacent, so it's not that dramatic, but we're going to talk about a TV show this week. Instead of yeah. game mechanics, we're going to be talking about uh, <laughs> those are the, the Maison scene. Am I yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I definitely know what that is. Is that the kind of thing you're ready for? No. <laughs> but before we get on to that, before like, you know, we just destroy this whole premise of this podcast, let's talk about video games. <laughs> what yeah. are you playing at the moment?
1: Uh, yeah, I've actually, um, I am between jobs at the moment, which is not as depressing as it sounds. I'm literally just, I've finished up one and I'm starting another one. But I'm using nice. that, the free time between to play an absolute bastard load of things.
0: So this is this a big question?
1: Uh, yeah. I've played a couple of things in a row now, and I've been through sort of, I'd like to think it's through curation and like selective choosing, but I think it's just dumb luck. I've played just absolute classic after absolute classic.
0: I'd love to hear it.
1: Um, so I'm currently playing uh, the Metroid Prime remaster, which I oh. won't get into in too much detail because I'm sure we'll get around to that and cover it in full at some point. Oh, for sure,
0: for sure. Um, Are you liking it? Love it. Yeah. It's your first time, right?
1: First time playing it. Yeah, for sure. I'd never played any of them before. And yeah, it's great. It's, it's Metroid, but it's 3D. What's not to like?
0: That's what we were all saying back in 2002, man. We were saying it loudly, even though Metroid Prime was actually my first Metroid game. So I wasn't probably saying that. That, doesn't, that joke doesn't make sense on hindsight.
1: Yeah. And before that, then, I played a narrative game that I'm pretty sure you recommended to me on this podcast. And yeah. that is uh, Kentucky Route Zero.
0: I did. I, I recommended it to you in a very kind of mysterious way. I was like, "It's one of my favorite narrative video games ever." I'll I won't mention it on on recording because I want to do an episode about it. But here we are, like a year later, <laughs> and we still haven't done an episode of. It. it slaps, man. It's an absolute masterpiece.
1: Yeah, it's it's truly incredible. Like, really, really blew me away. But again, let's hang on to that one and yeah. talk about it in full. My yeah, yeah. third game that I've played recently and it might be the one I'm most excited about out of all of them, mm-hmm. and I don't think I've spoken to you about this in real life yet, okay. is Hi-Fi Rush, the, um, the rhythm yep. yeah, action yep. game from Tango Gameworks.
0: It, it might be the first game that was like, because it, it was shadow dropped, right? Mm-hmm. It, was re- it was released the day it was revealed, and it might have been the first time I felt a twinge of, damn, I don't have an Xbox, I can't play a game.
1: Yeah, um, it is incredibly good. Yeah. it's really really tight it's kind of uh, for those who don't know that the, the idea of it is basically rhythm may cry it's it's that sort of spectacle character action fighter game but synced up to the beat as if it was a rhythm game um and i am terrible at rhythm games and terrible at uh, like devil may cry but somehow managed to just muddle through it anyway and it is excellent. It's like the art style is impeccable. The voice acting is great. The two main characters are voiced by uh, Robbie Daymond, who was like a catchy in um, Persona 5. Um, and he was Prompto, and prompto in Final Fantasy 15. 15. 15. Absolutely, yeah. And the, the female voice actor then is uh, Erica Lenbeck, who was um, Futaba in Persona 5, and Jessie in Final Fantasy 7 remake.
0: Loving it. Yeah, good shit.
1: Um, but yeah, it just it plays really well. The art style is great. It looks like it looks like if Sega had stayed in the hardware game and had like a, a, a current gen, like the Dreamcast 4 or something,
0: yeah, this would be yeah, a flagship
1: title for it. It looks it, incredible. It,
0: it, it's very jet set radio.
1: Mm, yeah, for sure.
0: And it's kind of, I don't know, I don't have analytics in front of me but of the budget, but it kind of looks like an avatar of, you know, Companies making games for, like, maybe less money, but, you know, bolstering it with an art style, with a killer central mechanic, you know?
1: Yeah, from looking at, at sort of chat around it, it seems that um Tango had, like, literally one guy working on it for the first year. Whoa. It was just one guy's kind of passion project. And then once it got off the ground and had a bit of legs, they allocated more resources to it. But it was, like, definitely done on the cheap in-house because they were making uh, Ghostwire Tokyo at the same time. Um, yeah. which obviously they spent a lot more money on was the more high-profile game and critically has done nowhere near as well as the cheap and cheerful, colorful boy. Um, which, you know, maybe that might be a lesson to game designers everywhere is that rather than making a big open-world game that's full of faff and waste your time, make something that's about 10 hours long and it's colorful and fun and people want to play it and maybe that's that'll be successful instead.
0: I almost hate throwing a game that involves Shinji Mikami to the wolves like that, but yeah, if if... if If Ghostwire has to fail for a lesson to be learned, I like that. I think I'm into that.
1: Yeah. How about you? What are you playing at the moment?
0: Well, my big news is um, because of the many pressures of having a podcast and keeping up with modern gaming. No, no, it was just time. I finally got a PS5.
1: Yay! We can like edit in more applause and stuff there, so it seems more significant.
0: Yeah, I wish I was able to announce it on maybe an episode with the four of us. Because, goddamn it, I know Martin Owen would have given it more than that, Kev. That was ridiculous.
1: Nah, I'm
0: joking. Know, I've, been, I've been phoning it in since day one. I'm <laughs> only joking, yeah. yeah well, uh, my brother and I bought a PS5. We're very excited. We're, um, we, we got it for um, Resident Evil 4 remake. Mm-hmm. That felt like the one that I wanted, because Resident Evil 4 is my second favorite game of all time. I just wanted to uh, play that next gen. It just felt right, Kev. But as of this recording, that game is not out yet. It's out in about four days. So all I've really played on my PS5 so far is Astro's Playroom. Which is which a masterpiece. Is, it's just way better than it needs to be kev yeah. and i'm already nostalgic for it for its soundtrack for just its mm. whole vibe it's just a lovely little piece of thing and it's just a, a love letter to playstation's history and anytime i you know all the references that are in that game you can find little robots shooting little films and they're, they're all references to um old games like it was very cool finding the last of us or god of war but i really just like when i found chris and jill from resident evil yeah stuff like oh, my favorite one kev was vib ribbon which is an old uh, ridiculous Japanese rhythm game on the PS1 that I had a weird infatuation with for for a while when I was a kid. I was just like, yes, this is like the coolest thing ever. I know Wii Sports is probably historically the most important package game ever made. And I love Wii Sports and I love love its place in gaming history. I will never poo-poo it. It's like amazing. But I think my favorite might be Astros just in terms of like overall quality.
1: Yeah, I don't think Astros was... in any way a system seller I don't think anyone was buying a PS5 just to play Astros the way they would have been for Wii Sports but fuck it man they should have been because it's so good it could have been just a glorified tech demo for the Sense, and it does that really well it shows off like what the controller can do in a really impressive way but it's actually like a really competent well made platformer and then on top of that is just this lovely layer of nostalgia icing on the the cake of Sony history
0: like I know, I'm two years late. It's probably old news to a lot of people, but first impressions, like you know, I I, I love graphics as much as next man. I do. I'm, I re- I really do. I'm not I'm not being that guy. But yeah, the the PS5's real kind of next gen kind of feeling thing is the dual sense itself. Yeah. The
1: other Sorry. big thing is the 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 SSD, the hard drive, and the load times. Oh, the load times. I yeah. Think when you get around to playing Ratchet and Clank, that yeah. will impress you as well because the that hard drive, they put it to work on Ratchet and & Clank and it is really impressive.
0: Yeah, I, f- I feel like I'm kind of at, still at arm's length from the console, since so like I despite Astro being basically a showcase what a thing can do, all I've done with it is um, Capcom have a, a sale at the moment, so since Resident Evil 4 is out in a few days, I bought Resident Evil 2, so I played an old PS4 game that I already own <laughs> on the PS5, and although it looked amazing on the PS5 and played brilliantly, I had a great time playing it. Not next gen, is it? Not, no. <laughs> that's, not, that's not why I got the, uh, the, the new console. But, um, I'm in a big Resident Evil mood at the moment, actually, because of the encroaching Resident Evil 4, and I had a great time playing Resident Evil 2 Remake. Won't go on about it since you and I did a whole episode about it a, a yeah. while ago. About uh, 1, 2, and 3 in its remakes. Everyone check out that. But I, I will say, as about Resident Evil as a whole, just as a single thought I plucked from my replay is that I have problems with Resident Evil 2 Remake. They're minor, mm-hmm. but I have them. I have bigger problems with the Resident Evil 3 Remake. For so sure. I think, the, I think the bottom line is that... Capcom have taken the Resident Evil franchise in recent years up to just a kind of a, a line of quality that even with problems, it's still kind of, you know, some of my favorite stuff to play these days. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I was just, I was just so engaged by Resident Evil 2, and it's mm-hmm. so scary. I'm and, so bad at playing it because it's so scary. Yeah. And what did you make of the demo of 4 remake? Yeah, I had a great time. playing like, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I still haven't mastered the knife parry, which is like the whole new central mechanic that they're adding into the dna of war what i'm finding
1: with it is ignore the prompt because the, the parry window seems to be much more generous than the prompt seems to be making it mm. so just get mashing on that that left shoulder button and hope for the best
0: my gut instinct is that while resident evil 2 feels like a ground up rebuilding of an old classic this might stick closer to the through line of the original but just yeah. you know tidying it up changing some stuff, stuff and you know one of the big concerns, I like will talk about this in more detail when we've actually played the goddamn game instead of the demo. One of the big concerns was, you know, that the campiness of the original might be lost in the new kind of more self-serious version. But I think everyone collectively sighed in relief when the demo ends with Leon saying that his one-liner, you know, where's everyone going? Bingo. <laughs> might have been like the most triumphal Leon impression. Thank you. I would be shocked if my personal favorite Leon line from the original would be in Atokiev, which might be a mistranslation. It's when... Uh, it's when Leon's buddy Mike, who's up in a helicopter, gets shot down by a rocket launcher and dies. And he goes, Mike! And then the main villain calls him up and is just like, Ooh, we just swat down a bothersome fly. And then Leon goes, What did you say? Insect life can't compare to human lives. <laughs> So yeah. if that makes it in, I'd be delighted, but I don't think it I don't think it will.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd be okay with them smoothing off that rough edge, all right.
0: I wouldn't be okay with it, but I'd understand it if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, from Resident Evil to HBO's <laughs> The Last of Us, I guess. <laughs>
1: smooth segue
0: that was good wasn't it It wasn't, yeah, yeah. It wasn't half bad. i could have gone with the zombie route and just said like from one zombie thing to from zombies to mushroom zombies would have been better
1: uh um actually the creatures in resident evil 4 aren't zombies they're las flagas oh. they have a parasite so if anything it's actually a closer analog to the cordyceps
0: yep is this is this gonna be your energy for the rest of this episode
1: no i'd actually really appreciate it if you cut that out i hated every second of it
0: is it because we're talking about hbo you, you like this now yeah is, is, this, is this what it's like Yeah. Kev, we're going to talk about The Last of Us TV show um, just in time for it to be out of the cultural zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know why we can come on here and talk about 30-year-old games. And I'm like, yes, fine. But, like, I showed this over two weeks at time of recording. I'm like, oh, God, we're, we're missing our window to talk about this.
1: Yeah, we're no longer relevant.
0: But we're going to talk about it because you and I are, are both massive the Last of Us fans. So I'll preface this by saying um, spoilers because we're going to talk okay. about it. We're going to talk about the whole show, but we're also going to talk about it from the angle of fans of Last of Us 2 as well, and Mm -hmm. you know, so where where the story might be going. So we're spoiling the whole goddamn thing, but I'll just begin this by saying, episode one began, it's in the 60s, big head from Silicon Valley was there, and the incomparable John Hanna. Oh yeah. Who some people might be like, oh, the mummy, the mummy too, I'm like, touch of cloth. Touch of cloth every day. (laughs) I'm there, come again? (laughs) I came as soon as I heard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we should just quote touch of cloth for the rest of us yeah
1: i think we get about 45 minutes out of that
0: but i was immediately you know um out of my element i was like oh my god like the last of us is such an insular story and and sudden and, and immediately the kind of scope of the world has broadened to uh you know give us a bit of backstory mm. on uh the central premise and the, the central um virus what it's going to be and i thought it was a, a perfect kind of um prologue to teach new viewers of what the the whole vibe is going to be but then that's that spills into the flash forward to modern times as well which is um the original last of us was set in 2013 this one's set in 2003 but modern times for argument's sake and we immediately just get more do you know what i mean we're with sarah the character joe's daughter for 10 minutes in the game and we stick around with her for a Good chunk of this episode, the first episode, yeah, and I thought that was an immediate. I just, I immediately felt like we were in good hands for some reason. I immediately felt like we were getting like a better version of this character.
1: Yeah, for sure, it's 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 definitely more fleshed out, and um, it was a great performance for for the, the role of Sarah as well. It was because I think we've spoken about the the intro of the game previously, or or our um, our compatriot Owen has uh, yeah, yeah. as one of his favorite sort of video game openings of all time. And one of his favorite gaming moments. And it is. It's incredibly strong. And it sort of it sets the tone nicely. It sets up Joel's character nicely in a video game. But when you're looking at a TV show and you have a little bit more time to play around with, I think keeping the camera on Sarah is absolutely the right choice there. Cause it makes what then happens all the more poignant, you know?
0: And it was the first indication of what like my whole feeling on the show would be in, in a kind of microcosm where it sticks exactly to the same road that the game takes. We hit the major beats. We spend more time with Sarah. We get scenes that aren't in the in the game, but it eventually leads like to the iconic scene of her death pretty much untouched. And that would go on to be kind of like my favorite thing about the whole show is that all the iconic moments are there. The, the, like, like I said, the road is the same road. We're going the same direction. If it ever swerves off that road, It's only for a second to like show us something new and it's back onto the main path. So I thought by episode one's halfway point, I was like, okay, this is very much the world of The Last of Us that I know so well. I've replayed this game so many times over the last 10 years, but the dimensions of it are already larger. And like, I understand more about the world. And I also think there's some better shorthand to getting to know Joel's character. In that first episode i actually think it might be a better introduction to joel and the world than the game was i love him cradling his poor dead daughter in his arms and weeping smash cut to 20 years later it's exactly the same Mm -hmm. as the game but then we get this bit of business with a child who walks into the boston qz and is infected and is very dispassionately killed because the child is infected and the next time we see joel he's essentially you know yeah dispassionately cradling a child again and dumping the corpse in a fire what a perfect way to just show how a character has changed in 20 years in like a single visual moment
1: yeah it's, it's it's just that straight visual cue to just be like 20 years haven't been kind to him it's not good guys and it's it's immediately clear
0: and we're talking about the opening of episode one here but i don't intend to have us just go through each episode bit by bit. I, that's not what this episode is going to be. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of emphasize that. But I think that's a good way to kind of roll into how do you feel about Pedro Pascal's Joel overall? Like we were all delighted. I don't know, here on this podcast anyway, we were all delighted we was casting. Me Martin, Marcy, you know, ages ago. I can remember, I, I've recorded this podcast like five different houses over the two years <laughs> and I was doing it. I can remember the exact house I was in when we were talking about Pedro Pascal's casting. And we were always very delighted with it. But I think um, he turned out to be, Different from the game. Yeah. Gain Joel a little bit. How did you how did you find his performance overall? How, no, I should say, how did you find how they portrayed him?
1: Yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved it to be honest. I think they um maybe it's just because I haven't played the game in a while, and maybe there was there was cues or things that I was missing out on, but they've really made the point that Joel has in those 20 years seen and done some shit and is, you know, not a good guy. That I know it's kind of it's definitely implied in the game as well that he's had to do a lot to get through it. But they've really stressed that Joel is not happy with who he is. He's just sort of existing. And like Pedro Pascal carries that really, really well. And then to sort of, to see his growth as it progresses, is it's really impressive. Because the thing about Pedro Pascal is, is that, you know, great, uh, great dramatic actor, great for action, but he's really funny as well. And sort of, he brings a sort of a humor to it, to the performance that I really enjoyed.
0: I think that's a good point you made. I think Joel in the game is almost layers underneath denial Mm -hmm. about who he used to be. He's so far become this person he needs to be to survive in this world that he doesn't even think he should be anyone else. You get the the impression with the show, Joel, that he's exhausted by it at this point. Yeah. He puts up a front, and he is capable of insane violence to survive. And he's still a powerhouse in his own way, but you, he, he's portrayed as much more um, damaged and tired. And so his kind of opening up to Ellie over the course of the show is kind of... I, I was going to say more natural, but I don't want to do a disservice to the game because that was completely natural too. No, but it, it definitely feels earned. Well, see, in the game, you get... Like, you you get gameplay with Joel and Ellie. Mm -hmm. I've talked about it before, how, you know, it doesn't matter how narratively complex, complexly weaved a game's, you know, gameplay and narrative is, just by it being an interactive medium, you kind of absorb kind of stuff from it. Just by being Joel and being with Ellie through gameplay, you make that bond between them even stronger than what they do in the cutscenes. And it all kind of, you know, clicks together like a jigsaw but i think the show can't have that it can't it can't make that connection automatically between the player or the viewer and these characters and i think having joel be more vulnerable immediately be more openly vulnerable to us the audience at least makes him kind of falling in love with this girl and kind of becoming this kind of you know protector to thing it's a bit shorthand for him getting there you know yeah While we kind of we kind of accept it more in the game because you know we're joel we're joel and we know he would why he would do this
1: yeah exactly yeah um and i think that as you said because they don't have that controller in the viewer's hand they don't have that sort of that immediate sort of kinetic physical connection to the character that they did have to take a different route with it um and, and also
0: and also since this gameplay, the gameplay is not there he doesn't have to be this you know brick shithouse you know Yep. he doesn't have to you know be this guy capable of mowing down you know 10 infected and and 10 guys in the space of 20 minutes we can kind of show him aging and you know you know he he's being more exhausted and he has like you know physical problems his hearing is going and stuff like that you know Mm -hmm. he he doesn't have to be this just absolute superhuman
1: yeah he also doesn't have to spend like three out of every 10 minutes like going around shelves and picking up bandages (laughs)
0: <laughs> there is a bit of that. There's a bit of it, all right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, they included some as a nice little nod, but compared to how I play Last of Us games, it would have been about thirty percent of the runtime.
0: And there's and there's some of my favorite scenes in this game were added monologues mm. that weren't in the, like which is crazy because the Last of Us game has like amazing monologues or amazing back and forth between the main characters and the showrunners. Um, who should we say at this at this juncture? Uh, the game creator Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin, the creator of Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wrote the superhero movie with Drake from Drake and Josh, which is absolutely wild fact I learned. <laughs> I didn't <long> know. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, but they they add so they added these monologues. I love and just continuing on with Joel, he has one between himself and Tommy, his brother, when they find when 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 they meet, mm-hmm. and at that point in the game, Joel is carting Ellie across the country, and we know why he's doing it. He's he's doing it from like. It was, it was a job given to him, but also he feels a kind of obligation towards his character, Tess, who's basically her dying wish. like, Joel, go, diddle, dude, go do do go this. But in the game, he's portrayed as still being very kind of like, once I get to Tommy, right, she's off my hands. I've yeah. done my part in this. And there's a very emotional scene at that point in the game that kind of strengthens the bond between him and Ellie and makes him want to, you know, go on, continue this journey with her. I loved I loved it even more in the show. Yeah. rather Rather than have him just be like, detached at that point the reason why he wants to leave her is because you know he's afraid of killing her yeah. it's just re it's it, 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 or getting her killed because he's, he's he's afraid of being a protector and you know he's afraid of being a father he's afraid of having feelings for anyone in his life and i thought it was a wonderfully acted um monologue by pedro pascal basically saying how terrified he was how dreams he has of just failing all the time yeah and it was around this time and i don't you know what i want to kind of just talk about things i like in the show and you know Get back to talking about video games in our next episode, but, <laughs> but it was around this time when I noticed the discourse online of just like, Oh man, they've softened Joel, they've turned Joel into a pussy man. Oh, I was shocked, I was shocked because when I, I you step out of your like bubbles to read these things, I was shocked because I thought it was such a wonderful interpretation of this character. And like I said, making him more vulnerable is reinforcing his relationship with all the characters around him, and like it. I think he's a he, he, Oh my god! I hate to say this. He might be a better character in the show. Yeah, yeah, I think
1: so. And I mean, anyone who saw that midpoint and thought that Joel was getting soft had a, a rude awakening coming for them at the end. Um, I managed to avoid a lot of the online discourse about this because I knew Good. how it was going to be. Um, well,
0: we've 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 been around Last of Us Discord before. This isn't many people's first rodeo. I I categorically despise this franchise being discussed online. Yeah. I really hate stepping into that world, to be honest. I can just say that outright. And I kind of, you know, I, I got, a, I felt a lot of positivity towards the show, but I felt like a lot of the same ugly heads were reared as well, you know? I'm not saying everyone has to, has to automatically like Last of Us, but honestly, it's not that. When you go onto Reddit, when you go onto, like, sites or whatever, when you start reading reviews and reading comments, it really is not just that. It's just people pick apart this franchise in very you know, cruel ways.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, the the one thing that I did see was a discussion about the casting of Ellie saying that that Bella Ramsey wasn't attractive enough to play the role. And at that point, I was like, yeah, I can probably just go ahead and close my Reddit account for a while. I don't need oh, to be... Well, I, to... I, I,
0: I feel foolish because I saw an v- exactly similar discussion, but on Facebook. So I'm already a fucking idiot because I'm reading Facebook comments. Yeah. Hand to God, you know, my bad, right? I, I deserve no sympathy here. But I just want to, I wanted to bring up this exact... Um, thing I saw it was someone it was exactly exactly what he's like okay? people um, going on about Bella Ramsey for her looks and that she shouldn't be Ellie she doesn't look like Ellie and then someone going look at you big man like you know making fun of like a young girl's looks or like a teenage girl's looks and then people going like triumphantly ha ha she's nineteen she's an adult you assholes we can do it all and uh, as if that was okay <laughs> do you know what I mean as if that they won that way yeah yeah. Um, but we talked we talked about Joel, and that is a perfect segue, Kev, to talk about um the other protagonist, Ellie. And I'm not gonna add fuel to that fire by saying that I had misgivings about her casting. But I will say I was a little kind of like, I know her from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I was like I was unsure, and by episode yeah. one, like her first line, she was Ellie. Yeah, oh absolutely, yeah. At least at least in a distant way, but as as the episodes rolled on. My God, what a performance. What a a, a find. What a promising young actor. Yeah, Yeah.
1: really, really incredible. Like yourself, I had only seen her in Game of Thrones and she has sort of a small role in that, but she nails it. But it could very easily have been sort of a one-trick pony or a one-off or she could just do that character. It didn't instill confidence in me that she had, you know, range. Um, But like yourself, by the end of the first episode, I was fully on board. And by the end of the series, like uh, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that she'll be able to carry the franchise through you know the very difficult material that's coming up in the second season and onwards
0: well that's exactly it the last of us one we play is joel but ellie is the main character of this franchise ellie ellie is the lead character of the last of us franchise and yeah you are kind of watching her aren't you going you know cool she's got oh she's got the sass down you know mm-hmm. she's got the, the biting humor she's giving people shit she's got all that she's a little asshole like you know as Ellie should be. But you're watching out for that darkness, yeah. you know, because, you know, Ellie eventually becomes a deeply troubled, very dark character, very violent person. And I think the Bella Ramsey's performance performances a perfect uh, adaptation of the source material of Last Us One, but also like just flashes of the woman that Ellie is going to become. And I can just like see I can, I I've. It, that 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 role is in such good hands. I just know it yeah. already. Yeah. I can't wait to see her in the last of Us, part 2 de- dealing with all all that material.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I thought the um the scene in was it episode eight when she's um with uh, with David and the cannibals and she's locked in the cage and and basically David in character is describing her the way that we just have there talking about sort of the, the darkness and the violence within her, yeah. and then she repays it by <laughs> breaking his finger. Um just perfect. Like.
0: Bella Ramsey's really good. This, is, like, this might be a minor comment. She's like, I'm not comparing her to Ashley Johnson's performance in the mm-hmm. games. Ashley Johnson's performance in The Last of Us games is amazing. Yeah. Maybe my favorite performance ever put to like a video game, if I'm being honest, like from, from a single actor. Yeah. But I don't know. Do you know, where, do you know where I think Bella Ramsey has her beat? And this is, could be because Bella Ramsey had the, uh, the benefit of tactile real-world sets. Yeah. Just guttural screams of, of anguish and pain anytime like ellie was in sh- in real danger in like last was like when sam turns and it jumps on her yeah and stuff like that or when like you said that horrible scene with david oh my god bella ramsay just gives it welly yeah like it's harrowing and there's like an amazing one flash of um, one moment of acting just a flash that i was bowled over by it's a scene where uh henry kills himself mm. and it's uh Done differently than it was in the game. In, in in the game, he shoots himself. We hold on Joel for a fraction of a second, and then it cuts to black. Yeah. In the, the show, actually decided to show us show us Ellie's face in the moment it happens. We hear the we hear the gunshot, and it's just a close up of her face. And I don't know, man. I don't know what actual like I've lived, I've lived a pleasant life. I don't know, thank God, what what someone would look like seeing that. Just the flash of one moment, her face is contorts. Yeah. Anguish as he shoots himself, and I was like, "My God, this actor, amazing!" Unless, unless they actually got someone on the crew and shot them <laughs> to pull that performance out of her.
1: Yeah, they're they're, fu- absolutely- they're fully method on that. They've actually um, <laughs> they've actually created a killer fungus just to really sell the, the reactions.
0: Now, spoilers: Joel dies incredibly early in the second game. Mm-hmm. So Ellie, it goes on to be full on main character, which well, she shares. She shares main character role in the second game with Abby. Whatever, I'm getting ahead of myself. What I'm trying to say is I was watching this show knowing that Neil Druckmann and co, Chris Mason and co, they know what story they're leading into now. Yeah. They know what they're going into the Last last Us two. So I think they did really interesting stuff. The changes with Ellie's character that might be less subtle than what the game does. I actually think the show overall might be less subtle, if that makes sense. Any moment it has to outwardly reinforce something, it does it. Well, I think in the game, you have to do a little bit more work yourself to kind of figure this out. I think just to kind of backtrack for a little bit, there was a lot of kind of contention of about Joel's death in the, in the game where why would Joel allow himself to be surrounded by people like that? You know, Mm. he's a hardened, you know, badass. but like the, I think the idea is that like he's had five years of easy living in that town. He's, he's kind of reverted back into like, you know, a regular man, the man he wants to be. And I think you can see that happening with Pedro Pascal's Joel more than with video game Joel, Yeah. even though you could easily infer it um, by playing like both games. But I think, them reinforcing Ellie's kind of um, need for her, um, in her immunity to have a purpose, yeah, is done very well in the show. Uh, I like when I like the change they make with Sam's death. Where in the game, yes, when yeah. the game Sam keeps his infection from her, and then turns night. In this, Sam tells her, and she, in her kind of naivete and desperation, she tries to like wipe her own blood on his wound, and it's just that's just a perfect moment, like I said, to kind of reinforce that or that that thing earlier on that ellie so desperately wants after all she's been through after all she goes through she wants her infection or sorry not her infection her immunity to mean something yeah and i think if you're adding little scenes like that early on in like, you know, halfway through season one of Last of Us, it's going to make Last of Us 2 better. It's going to make that character act better.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, I am very excited to see how they handle some of the difficult material in the second game, because it seems with what they've adapted from the first game, every time that they had to adapt a, a story or a character moment that was in any way dark or stressful or sad, they managed to find a way to make it darker and more stressful and more sad.
0: Right, yeah.
1: Um, Like, you know, Ellie being aware of of Sam's infection and him still turning anyway or like that incredible episode three with Bill and Frank.
0: Yeah, we have to get to there. We have to.
1: Yeah, we can probably do about 30 minutes on that alone. But uh, like there's... If they can take the little moments from the first game and make them so impactful, I'm very curious to see what they do with some of the moments in the second game, particularly ones that are, you know, even more impactful, particularly Joel's death, he had several impacts.
0: <laughs> he gets he gets really into golf.
1: Mm, yeah. He tries to eat a club.
0: But let's uh, let's talk about um, Bill of Frank, so since you brought it up so elegantly, give me such an elegant segue. It's the biggest departure that this show did. Yep. And I think this was a I think fans of The Last of Us were given an incredibly loyal adaptation to the source material mm-hmm. in, a lot, I mean, like, in a lot of ways, in a myriad of ways. But this was the biggest departure. They kind of deleted the Bill chapter of the game. Yeah. And I don't know, outwardly said, replaced it with something better. Oh, much better. Much, much better. Yeah. I, I, you do lament a little bit as a Last of Us fan. You do lament seeing the back and forth between, you know, kind of Ellie and Bill giving, giving each other shit, you know, yeah. that whole chapter. But we have that in the game. It's all good, you know? I don't think anything in the Bill chapter was as integral to keep in as Joel and Ellie's conversation in the bedroom about how, you know, Ellie wants to stay with him, or mm-hmm. how Sarah's death, or the final scene of the whole sh- show slash game. I think the Bill chapter didn't have anything that integral. So, kind of just scrapping the whole thing and replacing it with this, you know, beautiful love story about surviving in a horrible world that has to be said has to be said goes on to reinforce everything that comes after it as well the ending of season one is more impactful because of that episode you almost feel like the themes of that episode are kind of what's driving joe like just you know protect the ones you love do it for like love is the most important thing yeah and to see an episode that plays it so straight in terms of like this is a post-apocalyptic show but it's actually i know it ends with like um (laughs) a double suicide. (laughs) God, it's a happy one. It's a, it's a happy story. Yeah. I was, I mean, I was
1: watching that double suicide and what was going through my head at the moment in between the blubbering and tears was because of where we meet Bill in the game and that Bill is sort of bitter and alone. I was terrified that his dose wasn't going to work. Okay. Yeah. You were, yeah. And that we were going to cut to current day and have Joel and Ellie arrive at Bill's house with Bill still alive and Frank having died, and we'd meet the 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 bitter sassy Bill from the game there, and that was stressing me out more than the thought that he would die. I was like, yeah, please let him go.
0: Yeah, they did, yeah, I was the same. I thought they were going to we were getting this backstory, this cool backstory that was going to you know swerve back into what we know of the game, but no, mm-hmm. Bill dies before you know he meets Joel and Ellie you know, as Joel and Ellie are passing through, and like like I was saying, it is ends up it does end up being this beautiful love story with a with a beautiful message. But because it's last of Us, that message is congealed into Joel's decision that he makes in the final in the final episode. Like Joel's decision to save Ellie because he loves her dooms the world. It like remains one of the most you know, not the most, but a incredibly co- complex notion to end the story on. That's still being discussed to this day. Mm-hmm. Did he do the right thing? Did he didn't? Did he not do it? Which is great. I, I I love seeing people online who think you know, just they just know in their heart of hearts that they have the right answer to that yeah I don't think there really is one no and I just think that it's complex and it's 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 a bit grody and it's a gross ending in a lot of ways and Mm -hmm. I think I could feel the specter of Bill over Joel when he made that decision does that make sense yeah absolutely and I think you kind
1: of hit the nail on the head there that's not about did he do the right thing or did he do the wrong thing he did the only thing that that character was ever going to do in that yeah. situation following on from the circumstances that they had found themselves in on that journey whether it was the right thing or the wrong thing is kind of irrelevant at this point because it's it's the only thing that character would do is the only way he was going to see this story end you know
0: it's it's fun to see a wider net cast over like the, this, this series audience now mm. cuz i feel like there's more discussions being had now for people's opinions you know ellie didn't get a choice no she didn't but if she did have a choice would she have what would she have chosen and I think The Last of Us 2 very, very much posits that. Yeah. If she had a choice, she would have sacrificed herself for the greater good.
1: Yeah. If people like, who haven't played the game are asking those sorts of questions now, then I really think they're going to they're gonna get hooked even further when the next season comes.
0: Yeah. But I would say, though, Kev, that the, the, the show, the, the first season, which adapts the first game, I think depicts an Ellie better that would have made that you kind of know in your heart of hearts she would have. Yeah. Do you know it's It's a little it, even less ambiguous than in than than in the game. It's just that like no one gave her a choice. Uh, the fireflies fucked it up, and you know joel Joel also took that choice away from her. Mm. But I was very happy with the entire uh, the entire ending. and i I often say with adaptations you know that it, it can be such a tedious discussion online that you know, we have the original already. you know any changes, you know if they make good changes, that's an okay thing. yeah, but I do think that it would have been bizarre to touch that ending in any way.
1: Oh yeah, yeah no. The, the those last couple of lines of dialogue are perfect. <laughs> it just it's the perfect end to that story. It's that ending is so good that I I not know you and I anyway, and presumably a lot of other people were baffled when a sequel was announced for the game.
0: Perfect, point, like, yeah.
1: Why would you end it? Why would you ex- expand it? You've ended it perfectly. Just her, just like okay, it cuts to black, and you're just left to sort of wonder where their lives go from there. Um, now, as it turns out, I absolutely love where they took it from there. Yeah. But that ending in and of itself is incredibly
0: strong. And even Joel's, Joel's rampage through the hospital, I thought yeah. was done very well. Because when I was imagining it, if it was me, Kev, if I was Mr. HBO and I was directing that episode, you know, it's it, it, flight of fancy, Kev. Right, just do the mm-hmm. work. Okay? Yep. I was thinking about it in the lead up to that episode. I was like, I would have I shot it very flatly I would have just had the, right in your face, kind of bluntness of it. Yeah. That Joel is just dispassionately going around shooting a bunch of people. It's just, you know, matter of fact violence. That's how I would have done it. But the show ended up going for this kind of, um, it, it, it overlaid it with this kind of emotional music. And which is kind of, again, less subtle than the game. But reinforcing for viewers more that, you know, this is like, this. this isn't cool. Yeah. Joel isn't a badass, you know, action hero ripping through this hospital to save the, to, to save the damsel in distress. This is horrible. This is mass murder, and yeah. it's doing a little bit more work for for the um for the audience than the game did. But on one hand, <laughs> of years of like reading Glass Discord. Some people need a little bit more work, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. if I'm going to be a bit of a fucking asshole for a second, some people need a little bit more. But also, I I actually ended up quite liking how that scene came across the, the music is, is is this beautiful sad piece but the way it, it's almost like muffled into the background it's almost like joel is on autopilot yeah. he's almost lost in the moment and if i did kind of want that kind of blunt matter of factness i got it in his most important kill when he just shoots the doctor yeah because yeah. that's that's his, he's basically signing his own death warrant there and to kind of portray like I, there's like a lot of memes about that scene because in the game you can kill the Doctor any way you want. So you can flamethrower him, you can just toss a fucking <laughs> pipe bomb in him or whatever. But I think since that's going to be a huge plot point in season two, portraying our, you know, much more kind of vulnerable, emotional Pedro Pascal Joel as in that moment, in the, one of the most important moments of his life, just shooting that Doctor as soon as he picks up a knife, not caring, the final obstacle, just a kind of annoyance in his way, that's going to be great for season two. Yeah. That's going to be absolutely great because we're going to get to know what that death meant to someone.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And it kind of, even in, in the run-up to it, there's, um in the sort of Joel's montage of death, there's that bit where he kills the guy who's trying to surrender.
0: Yeah, uh, brilliant. Which, um
1: Yeah, really brutal. But, like, from there through to him killing the Doctor, um, it's just... There was something like frantic and dispassionate about it at the same time. I think it was probably the fact that the the actual the, the audio of the action is muted and there is that music playing. So there's that little bit of a disconnect from what's happening. But it really even though I knew what was coming, it really hooked me in. Like I was sort of properly edge of the seat stuff watching it. And then once he killed the doctor, I was like, okay, as you as you said, you know, signed your death warrant there, mate.
0: And uh, you know, the fact that it was brutal is a good point as well, because as like a piece of violent media, it's not nearly as violent as the media it's based on. Yep, they made a creative decision to not make this gruesome and gory. And you know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't have a bloodlust, Kev, but maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit more because Last of Us, and especially Last of Us Two, is like violent with a capital V. Mm. It's like two of the most violent games ever made. I'd say it's definitely the second one. But did you think it was okay? Do you think that, like the way they shot the the punctuate the the, the moments that needed? To be violent, do you think it felt violent enough, especially when Joel was, you know, letting loose at the end? I think, I think it did for now. I think
1: how they handle part two will probably validate it. Because I think the violence in part one is almost incidental. It's kind of, it's, it's what's moving the plot along, but it is not the plot itself. Whereas the violence in the story of part two is the story. So yeah. I think when they get around to that stuff, I would fully expect them to crank it to 11. Like, but I think for, for part one, keeping the focus on the people on their humanity and not on the violent acts themselves, I think is the right call there.
0: Mm. Yeah. Cause until in, in you basically need to see Ellie debase herself. Yeah. That needs to be betrayed. And, um, in talking about other changes that were made, you know, we're, we're not doing, this is not a full analysis of the show. We're bouncing around, uh, but just the kind of biggie change. Did you have any umbrage? Do you take any umbrage with how the infected were, both in how both in the science behind them and how little they were in the show?
1: Umbrage is too strong a word. I would have liked. I like using
0: it. Th- I like using it. Yeah, though. yeah. I would. <laughs> I would have
1: liked to see some more of the zombers. Um, you would have. Yeah. I think from is it from episode six onwards, the only infected we see are in flashbacks.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's true.
1: Like I think that's correct. That's huge swathes of the story, and I know. Listen, I know it's called the Last of Us, not the Last Zombies. Like it's it's about the people, not about it the is. infected. And I get that. And that's, it was clearly this didn't happen by accident. It was a very deliberate choice by them to keep the camera and keep the focus on the people. I get, I get that, but I do think the particularly in the later stages of the story, there are moments in the game with Infected that are plot relevant and impactful. I'm thinking particularly of when uh, Ellie first meets David and they, uh, they send Jason back to get the antibiotics. And when they're in that cabin where they have the chat in, in the show, they get attacked by Infected and they have to fight it off, fight them off. And like David is impressed by how Ellie fights and Ellie sort of warns to David a bit because they fought side by side, which then makes where that story goes more impactful um i think that would have been an opportunity to showcase more infected in the story and would have sort of driven home the point that they were trying to make anyway now i get they obviously cut it for time because they wanted to tell other parts of the story i get that but um i do think that's one one spot where it definitely was missed for me anyway
0: i guess you pick your battles when you're like making a multi-million dollar production like mostly shot during covid and stuff like that true i i do agree with you though and I think I think I posited when we did the Last of Us two ages ago, me and Marcy. You know, like one of the things I like narratively about the video games, especially the second one, is that they all circle around you know this decision Joel made to, to deprive Ellie of being able to save the world. Mm-hmm. Like whether or not whether or not a, a vaccine would change would, would would save the world is a whole other great argument that that this narrative has. Yeah, but I I would say personally, it's regardless, you know, I. Humanity might be just too broken for a vaccine to actually like, do that much help, but it's definitely the best thing to be doing. So, but the, the idea that, that Ellie was deprived of this opportunity like, to save the world is reinforced in all the gameplay of the Last of Us. In every disgusting encounter you have with the infected, the infected, every note you pick up of some tragic backstory is depicting this world as awful and just kind of emphasizing, ah, Ellie, this, this girl could stop all this you know yeah and i do think i agree with you it's the last of us it's about the people i don't think it's a coincidence that both last of us one and two their grand finales don't have any infected in them in the games they're they're all they're they're based around people i just yeah, i do think maybe us seeing how harsh the world is how disgusting how full of infected maybe tapping us into more of the abject sadness of a broken world full of mushroom zombies might have like done the trick a little bit better
1: yeah plus on like a, just a visceral level they did the mushroom zombies so well excellent i would love to see more of them. particularly like the the clickers in episode two.
0: Oh my god ripped straight from the game yeah i saw a video of the voice actors who apparently which i'd never seen before i'd never seen in the production of the games before it's, it's a man and a woman who do the voice actors for the clickers and they got them back for this. Oh, I yeah. Was fascinated. I was fascinated watching them perform. Oh, absolutely just making those horrifying noises just Yeah, these regular-ass people. Yeah, and that's one thing
1: I'm hopeful for when they get to, to season two and, and onwards because we know it will be at least two more seasons to go over them right. too. Realistically, probably more. Yeah. Um, is There's an increased variety in Infected in the second game. And I hope they get a lot yeah. of screen time because some of them are really fucking disturbing.
0: Are you talking about the stalkers?
1: The stalkers and, and the, the rat king. Rat king? Yeah. Well,
0: the rat king has to be in there. For sure. You know? One thing I I felt as well is that I, on the whole, like I didn't mind. I'm not saying I liked or disliked. I just flatly didn't mind the changes they made to how the infected work. Yeah. I think, you know, I've don't. i I've read this, but I don't think I've ever heard this confirmed or, or it's just hearsay or maybe it has been confirmed. Did they get rid of the spores because they didn't want their actors wearing masks? Was that like a part of it? That's what I've
1: seen discussed online. I don't, I haven't seen that from any source associated with the production. I think it's kind of, it's speculation. It's speculation that makes sense. Like, they're, yeah. they're not Disney. They can't afford to pay Pedro Pascal and have him keep the helmet on, you know?
0: I did hear Neil Druckmann saying that Craig Mazin came up with the idea of it being a hive mind, an interconnected yeah. network of infected. And when he heard it, Neil Druckmann was like, oh God, that would have been so good in the games.
1: Yeah, it absolutely would have, yeah. It's if anything would work better as a gameplay mechanic than on yeah. screen.
0: It's so gameplay mechanic isn't it? Yeah. But I, I do have a kind of a criticism where I love all that. I think it's great. And it's used a great effect at the end of episode two where Tess dies mm-hmm. where they disturb a tendril. And it's already been explained by Tess to Ellie that, you know, the tendrils go underground and they're like wires are connected to each other. Yeah. And it attracts like a horde of infected. And that's it. That yeah. mecha- that that idea that there are a hive mind is never brought up again in the whole show. You could argue that was the big infected set piece at the end of episode five when they emerge from the sinkhole. Yeah. Could have something to do with that hive mind, but it's not really overtly stated. And I think if you, it's kind of like, I know within that episode, in episode two, there was set up and payoff. Tess explains, oh, there's wires on the ground. Don't step on them. You could yeah. attract infected from everywhere. And then there's payoff at the end of the episode because it happens. But within the wider narrative of the show, it kind of feels like, Chekhov's infected hive mind yeah. it was just never used again and I thought that was a bit disappointing yeah apparently. I
1: th- thought episode 5 was an opportunity to use it again absolutely yeah. I thought um, episode 7 the left behind Yeah, like they explicitly make a point of cutting to that infected who wakes up because they're being too loud Like, yeah, they could very easily have had them like while they're dancing, one of them accidentally steps on a tendril and doesn't notice. And that's what wakes up the infected. And bam, that's that's just paying off an idea that you planted five episodes earlier. That's great. If
0: if I was a betting man, I was guessing that they were going to set off. um, They were going to step on something and have an encounter with the infected just before. Um, the Fireflies picked him up in episode nine. and I thought that was going to be why Joel and Ellie were separated. It's actually very similar to what happens in the show. Mm. Sorry, in the game, you fight a bunch of bloaters and infected, and then you get on a bus and she almost half drowns, but they didn't. And am I right in saying you haven't played Left Behind?
1: No, I haven't. Uh, my partner yeah. Sarah has um, and was very impressed with the episode, but I actually still haven't played it.
0: But it's almost a one-for-one um, remake of it. Like they added some stuff into school beforehand, but one of the big changes, and like it completely just goes into what you said there is that in the game, there was a horde of infected in that, in that um, shopping mall, not yeah. just one that comes after him. So it would have been a cool opportunity. I know, like, you could, like I said, they're, they're, they didn't do this because they're not fans of the game. It feels almost weird complaining about it. It was all so clearly deliberate decisions. But I don't even think this one, like I don't have as big a problem with it as some people do. But I feel, and I, I feel, you feel too, that a little bit more infected. You know, I don't want them everywhere. Just a little bit more infected would have done the trick. Yeah. Because
1: all of the, the human stories and all of the plot that they are trying to tell is all anchored in this world. And the main sort of driving force against survival in this world is the infected and the infection and that looming threat. And it's easier to have that threat looming if they show up once in a while. And it really felt, I like I I really felt their absence for those last couple episodes. And don't get me wrong, I love those episodes. I I think they nailed it. But particularly that episode eight, that that the story with David during the, the winter chapter, I think there was a real missed opportunity there to mm-hmm. to throw some more infected on the
0: screen. Especially since when with like the showstopper scene in episode five with all the infected and the the, the bloater and the the child clicker, the child which clicker, which clicker, which we never, which we so never saw again. Played by a contortionist, a young contortionist. Oh, player. really? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was absolutely like just riveting. I, I I thought that was the best thing ever, and like so. Yeah, so so there's there is a kind of like a grumpy side of me that just liked it so much that I would like to see more of it. You know?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, Kev, what do you think of uh, cameos? Yeah, yeah. They all got in there. All they the all, main they ones. all got
1: in there. I liked them, yeah. Um, I thought. Uh, Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson both absolutely nailed it. Well,
0: I thought Ashley Johnson got the best cameo. I thought she got the best role. I I thought she got the most to do. And uh, I thought she absolutely nailed it. I think she's like, she's such a compelling actress. I wonder like, why is she not more like live action stuff? You know, I know she's huge in the voice acting ring and stuff like that. She was in Marvel's The Avengers in 2012.
1: Yeah, she was a a waitress.
0: She's a waitress. But like I said earlier on, I think like it might be my her Ellie might be my favorite performance in any video game ever. If, you know, if you care about that sort of thing and not just about, you know, jumping mechanics. You know, there's a lot of things to talk about in video games, isn't there? But I best video game performance is Ashley Johnson's Ellie for me. And I thought she was in the three minutes she had on screen. She was amazing.
1: Yeah, um, it, it is weird that we don't see her in more live action stuff. Now, I know she was in Blind Spot for a year. I have a
0: blind spot now. In
1: yeah, I, I don't I, know what
0: that is, I, man. I,
1: I've never seen it. I don't know if it was any good. But it was it was a TV show that ran for a couple of years.
0: All right, and so she was, I'm wrong. She, had, she is on live-action stuff. She
1: was on that for a while. Um, my hope is that, like, I assume between the voice acting stuff and, like, the critical role stuff, I'm just hoping that she has enough work and is making money and doesn't need to be worried about the rest of the shit because she is really good. Like,
0: Yeah, for
1: sure. If there was a the chance to get her in more live-action stuff, like, someone should do that. I don't know if, like, Spielberg or, or Tarantino are listening or anyone, but, you know...
0: <laughs> they are. Yeah, send they me... Are. Like, revolute me money and then cast her in something. Do you know, Spielberg, Tarantino and Scorsese have a kind of a Saturday night group listen. Taylor listen. Oh, okay. They only care about video games, though, so they won't listen to this one. Unfortunately.
1: I wonder, does Martin Scorsese know what a video game is?
0: He hates them, I bet. I bet. He doesn't understand them. them. Yeah. But Troy Baker was really good as well. Yeah. He, He was playing a character from the game that I forgot existed. Yeah, yeah, I'd, he's in there. He's there. He dies. He dies the exact same way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I had forgotten that he was a named character in the game. I thought he was just a guy who was there. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, he like like you said, he doesn't have the same sort of role that Ashley Johnson gets. He doesn't have as much work to do, but he does have a couple of scenes. Um, between himself and the guy playing David, who I, I don't know, I haven't seen him anything else before, but fuck, he was good too.
0: Oh man, just I think what's what's really good about that actor was that I think he convinced non uh, gamers that he was a good guy yeah. at first.
1: Yeah, for sure. When
0: I mean, he was actually the most horrible piece of shit. And then you had uh, Jeffrey Pierce, who plays Tommy in the in the original game. He mm-hmm. was a, an invented character called Perry. Yeah, which uh, I don't want to talk about too much because um, that Kathleen character got a lot of. Uh, Negativity thrown her. I thought really I like, I, oh yeah, yeah. I really liked it. I really liked that as well. I really liked that that little side chapter they added. Kind of dimensions to the the raiders or whatever you want to call them in uh it's Kansas City in the game or sorry in the show in, in the game it's um, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah, because in in the game they're just like a bunch of guys you know running around growling at you trying to kill you. But uh, they they gave a leadership. I I thought as well, you know her kind of you know trying to get revenge for her dead brother against Henry. Yeah, and not, and you know but being completely with lack of empathy for Henry protecting his younger brother, you know, basically the the two of them just being obsessed with the person they have to, you know, that in their lives, who they love again, reinforces the major themes of last of us. It was just another microcosm, you know, that makes the ending of this season better and again it's going to make season two better it's all good stuff it's all good stuff yeah i thought i love melanie linsky as well yeah uh, i love her in. i'm uh, watching yellow jackets at the moment You've
1: i haven't no it's on my to-do list it looks really good. Yeah, very good
0: did you know she's um she's a kiwi she's from new zealand i did know that yeah many creatures was her first movie and she had a big old kiwi accent in that didn't she yeah
1: i'd only ever seen her in american stuff and i saw her interviewed recently and i was <laughs> stunned were you shocked yeah were you happy <laughs> And people
0: can act accents, different accents from hmm. what they have. I can't. I yeah. couldn't do it. Some I, people can. Just it.
1: to hear that 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 character or role got a bad reaction online. Not surprised, but but disappointed. I thought she was great. I thought she.
0: I'm not. I'm not coming out the gate saying it was like the best change they ever made or anything like that. But but I thought it all. Like I said, it all just added to it. Yeah, it, it was all it, just kind of improved. It. it was
1: all in service of the the overall story. Plus, there's that that scene where she's finally facing off with Henry and she's like, you know, uh, kids die all the time line. Yeah,
0: well, that's good some, shit. great. Yeah. What a good villain.
1: And then having the contortionist child clicker tear her to bits at the end was yep. uh, a satisfying payoff there.
0: Killed by a child. Oh, yeah, killed by a child. Yeah, good, yeah, good point. I didn't, even, I never thought of it until you just said it. She's like all child, all, all children die. Henry in a sassy way and then gets killed by a child clicker. I love that. Yeah, it's good. I love shit. that. Love that for her. <laughs> I thought, I, I thought, in the whole, in the whole, if I was just going to out now out say, I like this, I like this part of the show better than its source. Mm-hmm. I just thought Henry and Sam might have just been overall better. I just thought that was, I, I, I know it's a little bit manipulative <laughs> to make Sam younger and deaf and adorable, <laughs> but it, it just absolutely worked. I, thought, I, got, I got a little bit more emotional. Um, from that plotline than I did in the game, I think.
1: Yeah, I think it's the combination of like spending a bit more time with them, getting to see them interact with each other. Uh, obviously, having Sam being you know adorable and deaf uh, helps there too, and then combine that with what we mentioned earlier with the, the change of of Ellie kind of naively or desperately trying to to cure him when you know that bell has already been rung. Um, yeah, it made the the whole thing way more way more effective.
0: Well, we've been ping ponging around there now. I could I, I could have made like you know a list of things for us to talk about in order, but I think we ping ponged around there and kind of painted a picture of how we feel about the show. But before we go, Kev, do you have any thoughts or predictions about season two and beyond? Uh, what I'm, I did that, the adapt the adaptation of Last of Part Two? I'm talking structure, how they're going to do this. You know, do because I, I think. More so, Last of Us 1 has, you know, it's an amazing piece of interactive media. But I've always argued that if you watch it online on YouTube, all the cutscenes, you get a similar experience that a player gets. Mm-hmm. Sort of, right? Like, in broad strokes, I think you do. I don't think the cutscenes and the gameplay are integrated or mingled like in, in the best way I've ever seen. I think a big part of Last of Us Part 2 is you playing the game because it's a big narrative trick of jumping over to a character who you really don't want to, you know, know is more poignant or more more impressive when you're forced to be them as a player and you're forced to like manipulate them. Sorry, I asked you a question and then I went on about (laughs) something.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's... I suppose we spoiled a lot so we might as well keep going but the uh, sort of the the structure of the bulk of The Last of Us Part 2 is that it it takes place over three days in Seattle and it's, it's Ellie going looking for revenge on the people who killed Joel and it sort of... At the end of the three days, culminates with a big show uh, showdown, and then we basically cut and go back to day one and play those same three days as Abby, as the person who killed Joel. The, sort of the antagonist becomes the protagonist, and it's this sort of like super heavy handed walk a mile in someone's shoes before you judge them type thing. But it, it's it, heavy handed, but it's effective. It's it, oh, absolutely, yeah. It, it's it's incredibly effective, but. How do you make that work as a TV show? That's a hell of a question. Like, do they do... Do they do, like, all of Ellie's story and then cut and go back and do Abby's? Do they do
0: each episode, scene for scene, just keep jumping between the two, I think? Yeah, do it concurrently. Because a lot of how Last of Us 2 is structured is keeping information from you, the player. Yeah. And I'm talking about information about character relationships. I thought... Finding out that Ellie already knew that Joel lied to her at the end of the Last of Us One was a huge deal, and it kind of change kind of changes how you think about her revenge mission yeah. now. So, are they going to do that? Are they going to like you know, stay at arm's length from the viewer and kind of you know matter-of-factly depict these this, the story of Ellie, you know? Are we're going to flash back and find out. Are we going to flash back and find out about her relationship in the interim years with Joel? Are we going to see that up front? I don't know. I I don't know. I think, I, w- I was thinking, could they have an Abby cameo in the episode nine of season one? Because she is there at that hospital, yeah. right? And they did put in a Dina cameo. They did, yeah. It was I did the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, for and sure. I was, th-
0: I was thinking, will they put Abby in? But then after she wasn't in there, I was ruminating on it. And I was thinking, no, because when Joel is murdered, you can't know why it happened. Yeah. You can't know that this is the daughter of the doctor or this was someone who was at that hospital at the very least. You can't know that. It has to be sudden and cruel and it has to make your blood boil as much as the character Ellie's blood boil, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it it has to be a rug pull. It has to be uh, as much of a surprise as something that was spoiled before the game even came out can be. But the surprise is part of it for sure.
0: I I say they're going to keep that aspect of it, but then I wonder, as soon as Seattle part of the plot begins. Are we just going to in, cut between Ellie's story and Abby's story and have them kind of, you know, cross, you know, almost miss each other in more direct ways. Cause we'll get to scene by scene, you know, between the two characters. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Is
1: alternating episodes. Maybe the play, do, do we <sighs> yeah. see it from Ellie's point of view and then see the same day from Abby's
0: for the last two years? I've had a rant that I probably did on this podcast okay. about, about one of the armchair, uh, game designs I've seen thrown against Last of Us Part Two, where Last of Us Two was sort of badly paced, at least cumbersomely paced. Yep. And I've seen many, many times that people think that it would be a better game if you went one day Ellie, one day Abby, one day, second day Ellie, second day Abby, so no. forth, you know? Absolutely not. And I think, I think that does the work for you. It does the work for you more. It, 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 you're getting to know Ali. Uh, wait, I've combined their names. You're getting to know Abby as Ellie's revenge mission is happening. No, you have to do the brutal revenge mission and then be suddenly thrown into the shoes of Abby and be forced to try to empathize with her. And whether you do or whether you don't by the end of the game, not what I'm discussing, but that structure is the best way to tell that story. That's why That's why the, they make the big bucks there at Naughty Dog. And they crunch. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. And I just don't know if alternating would have that impact.
1: Yeah, no, I fully agree that within the context of the game, it definitely makes more sense. You have to do the full story as Ellie before you're pulled back to the very start and you have to live through the chaos that you've just wrought because it's very, you're playing the game. It's tactile, you're hands-on, you're in there. I think abstracting the sort of the play out of it and looking at it as just a narrative i think there is scope to do it differently i just have no idea what the correct way to do it is
0: it's exciting to find out though isn't it for sure
1: you know what else is exciting seeing what huh. what actress is brave enough to take on the role of abby and the ensuing yeah, toxic shit. sludge of the shit shitstorm. they'll have to cast someone who, who isn't on twitter presumably
0: yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. If they're going to crawl out of the woodwork again. Mm. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. The uh, smooth brains. Yeah.
1: And listen, like, absolutely not making the point that everyone who dislikes The Last of Us Part Two is uh, a transphobe or a homophobe or a bigot or alt-right or an so. But
0: you're amongst their company.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely not saying that. <laughs> I'm thinking it but I'm not <laughs> no, saying it.
0: No, jokes aside, no, it's definitely not like that at all. I, I thought the discourse for Last of Us Part Two when it came out in 2020 was awful, and then it got more interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think... As soon, yeah, I think that, as, soon as the people, the, 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 over, the initial discussion... There are
1: things to criticise the game for. It's not a perfect no, game. Either. It's a great either. game, and I love it, but there are things to criticise it for. Just maybe saying that it's unrealistic that a woman could have big shoulders, and therefore the game is shit is not yeah. the nuanced take you might think it is.
0: And to not end on that <laughs> yeah. miserable negative, negative Last of Us note, I'm just going to ask you, Kev, the show has been heavily praised. It, it took in some of HBO's biggest viewership of all time. Yep. Best HBO show ever. Can it go up against The Wire, The Sopranos? How are you feeling about that? Um, I mean, no. Dead, Deadwood? Yeah. No. <laughs>
1: no, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. And and if they, if they stick the landing... With the you know the the arguably more difficult story they have ahead then potentially in the long run, yeah. But as it stands, absolutely not. No, the wire is Sopranos yeah. much, much better.
0: <laughs> I thought maybe you'd be a little bit more on the No, nah, yeah. Not no, even I, close, I, no. I, I it is really good though. But no, not close. What an amazing first season of television. Mm. But has anyone ever seen the first season of The Wire? Do you know what I mean? First season of The Wire oh. is really strong. Untouchable. Yeah. So I guess I did end in a negative note in terms of, you know, directing it towards the the HBO's Last of Us. The Last of Us, why bother? Why bother? The the, the Wire, watch that instead. Yeah,
1: RIP Lance Reddick.
0: Ah, yes, that one stung. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. And you've doubled down on the miserable note to end this podcast episode on. (laughs) As is your way.
1: Also, I'm leaving.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. Okay, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I've actually done episodes with the lads before about movie adaptations. So it, it, it's not outside the realm of possibility, but um, but our wheelhouse is discussing games, not movies. So we'd be going back to that for whatever our next episode is going to be about. But I hope people still tuned in to hear us talk about TV. You know, To you I know, hope we don't feel like we, we betrayed ourselves. Do you feel like we betrayed ourselves, Kev?
1: No, not at all. I think it's still close enough to a video game that we can get away with it. Plus, That's I mean, true. we're not particularly qualified to speak about video games anyway, so we might as well talk about other things too. Um, I keep
0: forgetting that. It's just that I've... <laughs> done several episodes of a podcast so I, I think i have a kind of a you know bit of a kind of yeah. a arrogance about me like yeah i can talk about video games
1: but yeah no i would just uh thank everybody for sticking with us uh appreciate you all for tuning in um we have episodes going up on youtube now Ooh, youtube i yeah so um if you're on the youtubes do do the usual like and subscribe type things leave a comment let us know what you think Um, as long as it's positive we we don't want to hear any negative stuff we're very fragile um if you're listening to this on your podcast app of choice fantastic thanks so much um maybe share it with a friend see if anyone else wants to listen you know someone who likes video games maybe they might like it who knows um but just want to thank everyone for your support
0: uh thanks for tuning in everyone my name was Liam Sheehan I was joined here by Kevin O'Carroll and see you all next time thank you very much bye (laughs) (laughs) do you do Martha's little Boy there
1: I did yeah (laughs) I I thought someone had just...